Welcome to Why Gifts Matter from the Core Gift Institute, a series of conversations spanning helping professions, spiritual traditions, and community encouragers who believe that knowing your gifts and giving them is an essential part of living a full life and creating healthy communities. Find out more about us at www.coregift.org. Hi, I'm Nick Maisie, special guest host today, coming to you on behalf of the Core Gift Institute. In this episode of Why Gifts Matter, we're talking with Dr. Trish Quinlivan. Trish is a GP with over 29 years experience. Now, you might be a little surprised to hear a general practitioner being interviewed on this podcast about gifts, but Trish isn't your typical GP. In 2011, Trish developed quite severe insomnia while working as a GP. After much deliberation and many anxious moments, she realised that the insomnia was her body's way of letting her know that she needed to make a change. Listening into her body, she left the standard GP setting and moved into an area that was much closer to her heart, helping people heal from psychological stress, teaching mindfulness and meditation as part of her approach. These days, Trish describes that during meditation and at other times, she sits in enlightened states of being. Healing and love are at the heart of Trish's work. This interview delves into a range of topics, with Trish openly bearing her life experiences as a canvas to help us make sense of the connection between gifts, healing and spirit. But I grew up in a family where there was a lot of mental illness, so I witnessed my very much loved family suffering and I also had periods of mental illness as well in my young life so that developed in me this passion to start to get to the core of it to start to see what we could you know it's those times of adversity that teach us what we want to do you know it's such a blessing to be able to guide people in a direction that will bring them closer to their heart and closer to love. Trish advocates for mindfulness meditation, connection to nature and self-reflection as ways of cutting through the noise in our minds to help discern the gifts at our core. But the gift of starting to slow down that noise is that it has it provides the opportunity for our intuitive self to bubble up, right? To start to gain insight. Trish shares some of the practices that she's been cultivating in her own life and the lives of others over many years. Let's tune in. Well, Trish, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with me this afternoon about gifts. Mm. Um, Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I guess a really nice place to start is maybe just for us to hear about your perspective on gifts. So when you hear that term, Mm -hmm. what does that make you think of? Mm, That's interesting. Probably more broad than you think, like... um, all of us are a gift. <laughs> We're all here to grow and to learn and to find our way towards love ultimately. And yes, we all have specific gifts too that we can offer the world. Um, but you know, I often have clients come that say they wish they knew what their gift was and thinking that their gift should be more specific or something like, you know, being a brilliant artist or being a brilliant musician or... And, you know, for many of us, the gift isn't anything specific or even really obvious. Often it's 
that we might be good with other people, you know, or that we've often we might have been through traumatic experiences in our lives that has that has taught us things that we can then share, you know, with others. So, how would I describe it? My husband, you know, he has dyslexia and he understands, has always understood young people and the challenges they face around things that might make them feel less adequate, you know? And he's really good with young people for that reason. He gets it, he sees when they're struggling. So, <laughs> So many interesting possible jumping off points from that. Yeah. Thank you, Trish. I'm really keen to hear more about that distinction between being a gift mm. and these gifts that each of us may carry that are unique to us as an individual. So, you know, being a gift. So any time we are willing to start to listen to our hearts, right, to start to get out of this space of um, constantly being identified with mind and ego and who we think we should be in the world and keeping up with the world and getting away from that and moving into the space of heart or spirit or soul. So anytime we are making that step and in that step often we are moving from fear and limit or from high expectations and judgment towards love, acceptance, just being, you know. So anytime we are making that shift in whatever way that is, whether it's changing your entire profession or whether it's just making a small shift in the way you go about your work, you know, less judgmental, more coming from heart, more listening to your truth, speaking up for yourself if that means moving beyond fear, whatever it is, Anytime we're making that shift from fear-based to heart-based or love-based, we're being a gift for the world. And what about these different gifts that we might have? Tell us more about them. Yeah, so... And, you know, I want to add, though, to, the, to sorry, to what I said last time, and that is, you know, even... Even those of us who are caught in fear or caught in struggle, and all of us are to a degree, just, you know, different degrees. You know, like I have relatives in my family, for instance, who are struggling, and they have been a gift for me, even though they haven't necessarily faced their own stuff. So I don't want it to sound like you have to be something amazing to be a gift. You don't. You can be whatever you are, right? And then the specifics of it, well... You know, a lot of humans do have, in fact, everyone does have something that they can offer the world. And it's really, you know, you could be 95 years old and bed bound, you know, and if you are able to be a loving human to the staff that look after you or have some gratitude, you are being a gift, you know. It may be that you have something specific, like perhaps you are really good with, say, numbers or something. And, you know, being an accountant, great, you know. Perhaps you're struggling right now, but something you can offer, maybe a small amount, maybe three hours work a week, maybe it's working in a supermarket, you know, and just being a little bit warm to an elder person that comes to the checkout. 
that's being a gift too. But sometimes it's a more specific gift. Like I was in general practice for many years and I did love working with people. I loved the people I was working with. But I knew that I wanted to get more to the core of what heals us. Okay, so much of general practice is dealing with the surface, dealing with the, the small physical issue that they come that people come in with, or you know, even you know, people you know using medication and things like that. And I knew, in fact, I didn't really know at the time, but I developed severe insomnia, as you mentioned, and I I had to start tuning into that, and I recognised that I didn't want to be doing the seeing people every fifteen minutes, and I knew I had a passion for mental health. And that actually came from the fact that I grew up in a family where there was a lot of mental illness. So I witnessed my very much loved family suffering. And I also had periods of mental illness as well in my young life. So that developed in me this passion to start to get to the core of it, to start to see what we could. So often, you know, it's those times of adversity that teach us what we want to do. And now I love, you know, it's such a blessing to be able to guide people in a direction that will bring them closer to their heart and closer to love. What would you say some of your gifts are? You know, my biggest gift? <laughs> well, yeah, this is a funny one. My biggest gift is having met Isaira, who's my teacher. This is out of the, I know, but... She's a deeply enlightened being and she has taught me how to unconditionally love. So I'm not perfect at it, but if I can be with someone, no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing, even if I'm guiding them and they don't want to shift it at all, if they want to stay exactly as they are, caught in whatever they're caught in, and I can still love them as that, that is a gift. That's one of the biggest gifts I am learning at the moment. And for my children, you know, that I can see them as they are and, you know, <laughs> there's a few challenges at times and learn to love them as that. Can still set boundaries, but love them as that. That is... It's an important gift. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is an important gift. Yeah. When did you first start to notice that gift of unconditional love? Um, look, that has been coming in over a number of years. Um, I think I've been a warm human for quite a while, but I was stuffing it up to a degree. I'm getting much better at it. Like I, I used to think that it was really important to guide people and then kind of almost have a little bit of firmness around them mm, heading in that direction you know I sort of thought now I recognize that that could have almost made them feel a little bit like who they were wasn't okay in that moment right and being with Isaira who is deeply enlightened and unconditionally loving has helped me to recognize that the, the greatest thing that's going to heal another human is unconditional love, even if what they are in at this moment feels to you like it's not wholesome. It's not that I can't give the guidance, it's more that they're recognising that they are loved 
no matter what they are because that's the greatest healing right so yeah that's come in much more in the last few years i would say mm. and it sounds like even the, the the journey for you in how you give that gift is looking at both the the gift and its shadow side yeah in a way this sense of giving it from a place of unconditional love but part of the struggle is when it maybe becomes the opposite of that in some way or it's it's a well i'm not sure what the words you used were but something about they feel like they're were not accepted or judged or not worthy mm. in the mm. way that they're going about doing that mm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a shadow side to everything and we have to embrace the shadow and the light and we will all stuff that up too and that's okay too. You know, there'll be times where, you know, if I'm seeing someone that's taken, you know, and I see over a number of years that they're really finding it hard to make the shifts in their life that will heal them. And if, in fact, often if I'm feeling myself frustrated at them, it's because... I'm frustrated with my own progress, right? So very much it's always projection. But, you know, if I'm if they're recognising that I'm frustrated with them for not perhaps what I think being fast enough or something, all they're recognising is who they are is not okay, right? So, and it's been about the journey of learning to lovingly accept myself as well. But, yeah. Is Even it? when I'm messing it up, yeah. It's really beautiful hearing you talk about this connection between gifts and healing for you. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about, in, I guess in general terms, about what you see to be the connection between gifts and healing? Sure, yeah. So, so often in the world, what I see causes illness or unwellness, right, is that we are trying to be who we think we should be so we're caught in this headspace of i need to be this human that will be approved of in the world by my family by society by my work by whatever right and so often in that process who we actually need to be what's wholesome just gets lost you know it just gets lost and then people start to get symptoms of feeling depressed or anxious or and it's not until they recognize and I see that those symptoms are there because it's the body's way of trying to wake us up to what do we need to tune into you know I don't see it as there's something wrong that we're depressed or anxious all it means is the body's trying to wake you up right so then as we listen in and see what is it that would make me feel more wholesome what is it that I can offer the world or do slightly differently or, or start to take ownership of or speak up for or whatever it is that would make me feel more whole okay and and that's where owning your gift or what it is that you want to offer to the world is going to have a lot of value what sort of practices have you used in your life to help you wade through that noise and that murkiness of the broader world in which we live mm. in order to help you connect more deeply to your gifts? So, well, probably the main one is meditation. And, you know, until we still that noise in the head, the constant demands of, I should be this, I'm, I need approval in the world, until we still that and start to listen in to our intuitive self. So meditation is valuable in that it will slow the mind 
and it will but in it within itself create healing but the gift of starting to slow down that noise is that it has it provides the opportunity for our intuitive self to bubble up right to start to gain insight you know i'm sure in your life nick you are experiencing that <laughs> i know you are you know learning how to hear your own insights right and it's beautiful right you know it to be beautiful <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and that's when you're owning your gifts you know and you're sharing what you have to offer the world right but part of that journey too is about moving beyond that need for approval you know that we and by the way, the only way we move beyond our desire for approval is to actually lovingly accept that we have it, okay? So accept that we want approval, but recognize that we don't want that to totally control us anymore, you know? We want to be who we need to be. In your journey of connecting with your own gifts and finding meditation and where that has taken you, did you explore other paths and decide that they were not the right path for you in terms of maybe perhaps not being as helpful or wholesome when it comes to connecting with your gifts. Absolutely. And, and when, I, when I was starting to struggle in general practice and not sleeping well, the first thing I did was went and assisted in theatre as a surgical assistant. <laughs> and, you know, I met some lovely people and I worked with lovely people and it was a little bit of a change for a while, but it absolutely wasn't me, right? So it was nothing like what I needed to do. So I did make quite a few wrong turns on that journey towards... And I did a couple of other things as well before I recognised this still wasn't sitting truly with me. Okay. Yeah, and look, I want, I want to encourage people, you know, it takes a while to find the way towards what you may want to offer the world. And I don't want you to think that you have to get it right straight away, you don't. And even when I started this journey, like when I started working from home and doing psychotherapy and teaching mindfulness, you know, there were some challenging moments and there were moments where I thought you know where I would see someone and it would really throw me and I wasn't quite sure if I was dealing with it well enough or doing the right thing or and you know I thought am I doing the right thing and there's you know self-doubt came up but I kept coming back to that no this is I know this is wholesome I know it feels like it's where I want to go so often fear will come up as we make that transition you know a lot of self-doubt we will stuff it up so be it you know you just get up again and you try it slightly differently, you know. Mm. What helped you to know that you were on the right track when you were experiencing some of those doubts mm. and fears and setbacks? Um, it's a growing wellness within myself, there was. And I mean, I even when I was going through all that insomnia in general practice, my colleagues, of course, suggested that I try taking medica medication, which... I didn't want to do, but I did do it for a period of time. I only took a small amount, but, you know, when I knew I had to leave general practice and I changed over, I came off medication, but in which was a small amount. But the even self-doubt came up in that, you know, is this chemical that I've been hearing all these years or is it something about finding my way towards being more true to myself, you know? And But I just discovered that even though self-doubt was coming up, even though there was fear and... The more I just sat with that and just kept going with what felt kind of wholesome, you know. It's literally sometimes when you're in that space of changing over, it's like just putting one step in front of the other, you know. <laughs> just what 
And then there was a growing wellness, a growing ability to be really present with people because I wasn't lost in my own stuff and to be present for my children and to connect to the earth and, you know, and to, I could see that clients were benefiting from even my wellness, you could say, right? Because I was, I was, had, well, since childhood really had been going through a journey that I could then pass on, right? So... Not sure if I answered your question just there. Yeah, <laughs> but you did. Yeah. Thank you. You also touched on something about connection to the earth, connection to nature. Mm. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about gifts and connection to nature within that context. Yeah. So nature, um, as I know you know too, <laughs> is also, you know, it's an absolute gift. And... I would say to all of you, you know, get yourself out there and get your bare feet on the earth and or sit on the earth, hands on the earth as well, or dive into the ocean and do it daily if you can. Because if anything will bring you to your heart or your spirit, it will be being in nature, okay? And meditation. Nature is not caught up in that same busy mind identity should cycle, you know, that our brains are. Right? So nature is just present. It is just being, right? just living. So the more we sit in that, the more we will be drawn to that ourselves. And it's a beautiful place to gain those insights as to what is the next step forward. You know? Nature is a gift. <laughs> yeah. When we're having those experiences, when we're present in nature, how can we really connect into that? And I want to say there that, you know, it can feel a little alien when you first start perhaps sitting in silence on a beach or, and sometimes you say connect in, sometimes, you know, stuff will come up that is challenging. Sometimes that what needs to happen is that the washing machine of emotion will come up and we will be faced with it, you know. Sometimes we need to, at the ocean, you know, dive under the waves and let it all out, scream and, right, let it be free. Um, how do we really connect? I would say it's allowing what comes to come. That's definitely part of it. So surrendering to whatever it is that evolves in that moment. And then if you find yourself, if you find your mind being distracted, just be present with the senses in nature, perhaps the feel of the sand under your feet or the sound of the waves or the birds or... Um, what else? The taste even of the salt air, right? The, what you're seeing, the beautiful scenery around you. So just be present with what is, right? And let it take you to a deeper place. For someone that thinks that meditation and this connection to the earth, the sorts of practices that you're talking about, it feels very foreign and alien. Mm. And maybe just new and unfamiliar, mm. where would you suggest a good starting point might be? Mm. So, you know, I always say with all of those things like meditation and being in nature and anything, because it is a little alien. And, and in fact, the whole journey of learning to listen to your heart and sink out of your head is very alien and quite threatening to a degree to that mind ego that we're so used to being in. So 
it's small steps, tiny steps, loving steps all the time. And, you know, and I have met people who do find it a little uncomfortable being in nature, you know. So just take small steps, just go to a park, take your shoes off for five minutes, you know, just be there for a while or go there with friends or someone you trust. Same with meditation, you know. You won't want to meditate. Your brain will... It wants to keep being stimulated. It wants to stay stuck in the same space that it's always been in. But if you just keep working at it, start small, five minutes. Do some breathing. Just have a conscious breath, you know. Be in the moment with your breath. Yeah. And baby steps. Baby steps, always. Yeah. Yeah. Trish, earlier you mentioned this idea of how some of our most challenging experiences can be the key to, or maybe you didn't use those words, but some mm. of our most challenging experiences can offer us so much um, in our life you know, and in what we give others. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and maybe particularly for someone who is still very present with a lot of the challenge yeah. from that experience? Mm. How can we find the gift in those experiences? Mm. And one of the key things there is, you know, when you are caught in the moment of challenge and life feels very overwhelming, it, it is always really good to know or perhaps even look back on your previous challenges and recognise what you learned from them, you know. And, and the more you start to recognise that every challenge has taught you something, right, that it has brought you to a deeper wisdom, the more you can then see this challenge will do the same, right, and yeah, I see it all the time. You know, often I'll have clients sitting in my couch and they'll be saying, oh, this is so terrible that this is happening. And in that exact moment, I'm thinking, I can so see why this is happening and I so see why this is going to teach you just brilliant wisdom, you know. And, and people will, you know, they'll come in and it might be that they're having challenges with a really difficult ex-partner or children or whatever and perhaps they're a teacher and after a few years of struggle and learning how to bring their own children through that and how to be present with their children's emotions or, you know, just to accept their children when their big emotions come out or or sometimes set boundaries on difficult behaviour or whatever, you know, in a manner that's compassionate and understanding to what's going on underneath. You know, that learning is so precious and then they're a teacher and they're taking that to the classroom. You know, it's... And, and every time I see someone going through challenge, I recognise or I can see and usually they do come to how that can fit into their life, you know, and it's beautiful. Every challenge is an opportunity. <laughs> every challenge is an opportunity. It's a teacher. It's here to teach us something. Yeah. I first really was drawn to this notion of gifts through my work in the space of relationships, friendships and relationships. Mm. I'd love to hear your perspectives on gifts within the context of friendships and relationships. What's, what's the connection there between gifts and the relationships that we cultivate with others? Do you mean that friendships, that the friendships or that the relationships themselves are a gift or do you mean the gifts that your friends have or both? I mean more so the gifts that we might have that we're giving through the context of relationship with others and vice sure. versa. I see. Um, yeah, and you know, nothing happens by accident and, and everything that we are is of value to others. And likewise, 
them to us and that's even if you know we have relationships that we find particularly difficult for instance or someone who is very courting um, perhaps some really difficult patterns of behavior you know um, it may be that the learning for us is that we need to learn to stand up for that to set clear boundaries you know in a very compassionate manner or so you know everything even difficult relationships, loving relationships, all of it can be a wonderful learning opportunity, right? And this um, this unconditional love that I'm learning and getting closer to, you know. And I have family members that are profoundly unwell, you know, with mental illness and and can at times be challenging to be with you know but I have learned how to find ways to just you know it's not that I spend a lot of time uh, with those humans because it is also about looking after myself within that relationship but how do I be with that person and unconditionally love them what places do I find and um, you know the more I am able to do that and you often find in difficult relationships you might need to set very clear boundaries or perhaps you take them to the movies or perhaps you um, do something where you don't have to talk much you know because they're really difficult or whatever it is that you do Um, or maybe you know sometimes it's a human that is so difficult that you actually really need to pull completely apart from that relationship and that might be the learning for you you know that you recognize that you don't have to be friends with anyone everyone right or even in family relationships sometimes that you do need to keep a bit of distance sometimes permanent distance okay usually there is something that can be managed once you get to a point where you are not carrying anything that person says or does you're recognizing it's coming from their own stuff there can usually be some semblance of a relationship right and then of course there'll be loving relationships that are supportive and they don't usually teach us quite as much, actually. <laughs> but they do. They do teach us. I was hearing something in there about just how the inherent relational nature of our gifts. Yes. How the people in your life, they are the context in which your gift of unconditional love has a, a space to come forward. Mm. But it's also that space where we can work on cultivating the way of doing that in a way that's wholesome for us. Yeah, totally. And that's really important because you can get mixed up in, you know, this journey is one towards love, but many of the humans I see actually have to get better at firm love before they're going to get anywhere near the, right? Because a lot of people are in that place of thinking they have to please the world or thinking they have to be nice to everyone. And yes, it's about kindness and love, but sometimes very firm boundaries need to be set. Sometimes distance needs to be created, right? sometimes very firmly firm love is a beautiful term i think for really (laughs) capturing this tricky space of boundaries Mm. that's often talked about Mm. trish you've talked about a few different practices for connecting with gifts but is there anything that you haven't touched on that you would like to share particularly when it comes to different ways that you help people to connect with their gifts Mm. okay so So there's meditation, there's spending time in nature, right? 
actually talking to other humans as well. So there's talking to other humans that, that you can be open with and vulnerable with around your struggle. Because often those close to you will have insight as to what they think you can offer, right? Being more silent generally, right? We all talk too much. <laughs> we really do. So um, I heard Sadhguru, I don't know if you've ever watched him, but he's quite an entertaining character. But I heard him say the other day that if we all spoke 50% less, a lot of marriages would be saved. <laughs> and it's really true. So if we were more silent, it would provide the opportunity for that wisdom to come up. So meditation, silence, self speaking to others, being in nature, self-reflection also. So just, uh, you know, as we recognize that we are not comfortable, if we are feeling anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, whatever it is, to then sit with that in presence and see what insights come, because they will come, you know, what needs to shift? You know, do I need to do less of something? Do I need to do more of something else? Do I need to change my direction? Okay. So in other words, using the, the symptoms of the body as a learning tool, in a way. Hmm. Trish, a lot of these practices that you talk about are ones that you know I believe in wholeheartedly, hmm. but reflecting on them now, they're probably not the sorts of approaches I might hear when I ask a typical GP or a typical social service worker about how to help someone connect into their gifts. Mm. And given your, I guess, experience in that space, mm. what is it that's drawn you towards the things that you are so grounded in now? It works. <laughs> that's a big thing. I do want to say there, though, you said that, you know, it, it may not be typical of what you'd expect for someone to be... But, you know, the, certain, I did recommend the other day someone go to a university careers advisor and do that questionnaire around, um, you know, what are the things, what are the skills that they come up with? Because, in fact, that also has value. You know, it does have value actually going through with someone else who is good at that stuff and doing a questionnaire and figuring out, well, what do I score highly and what do, you know, and that also does help. But also all the other stuff, you know. Mm. And sometimes what we have to be really careful of in that space or this or the more prescribed space is that if it's like our parents or relatives or for instance a lot of my colleagues when I said I was going to leave the general practice setting and go and sit you know in a room and do psychotherapy they thought I was completely bonkers right because for many of them that would be not something that they would enjoy okay so you do have to be a little bit careful of other people's expectations all the time when you're okay but um so that's where that all the other stuff comes in is you know when others are recommending things but you know that's not wholesome is that self-reflection the how does it feel what feels wholesome okay being in nature time to yourself time silent meditating the thing is though the difficulty there is often the step towards what is wholesome is scary so it might not feel totally comfortable and people can get it confused and think if it feels too scary maybe I shouldn't be doing it you know no <laughs> often what's wholesome actually is stepping towards fear
how do we know the difference? <laughs> <laughs> That's really hard. And, you know, the steps, the steps can be small, as I've said before. They can be small. But you will... You're, all I can say is your gut will tell you. you you'll, you'll have an intuitive sense that this direction might be wholesome. It will just feel scary. And yes, you can get wobbly moments. Am I doing the right thing? But you just keep hanging in there, right? Take one step in front of the other. And if there's an overall picture of more wellness, a more wholesome feeling, then you're likely to be on the right, in the right direction. Trish, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you hoped we might discuss in this conversation? What's come up for me, Nick, is I know you've done a lot of this stuff personally. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've witnessed you actually using all of this stuff and discovering your gifts, you know. And I think you could share something about what you've... Um, yeah. What gifts have you discovered in yourself? And how have you discovered them? And what are your gifts? The strongest word that comes up for me is worthiness. Yeah. And it's been really helpful seeing the gift and the shadow in that. Mm. So I relate so many of my challenging experiences to this lack of worthiness or this striving for worthiness. This trying to trying to be this certain version of myself that would lead to love, belonging, connection. Mm. And I guess when it comes to what feels wholesome for me, it's when I can ground myself in the acceptance that it's already there, like mm. you spoke about. Absolutely, yeah. And look, also look at how that is so fundamental for me. So mm. if there are different ways in which I might nurture that, in people, the lives of people around me, that's going to be pretty good too, I figure. Absolutely. Yeah. And what you're doing. Yeah. And see how, dis and in that discovering of your innate, beautiful worthiness, right, that you are passing that on as you discover it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seems like a pretty nice point for us to finish on, I think. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you, Trish. Mm, that's right. It's a pleasure. That was good. Thank you for listening. To hear more podcasts, explore our gift library, or learn about our training opportunities, visit us at www.coregift.org.